first of all, let's talk about plugins. Now, the three plugins I want to talk about real quickly are Limit Login Attempts, Anti-Spam B, and Quick Cache. All right, so let's go to demo site here. Got one here at Lab Playground. When people come to your WordPress site and they're regular customers, obviously you're not that concerned about this happening. But WordPress is now on over 56 million sites around the internet. And we all understand the world's a big place. So you want to make sure that those people that are, don't have your best interest in mind cannot just bang in the door incessantly. So the number one plugin to install, if we've not done so for you already, is called Limit Login Attempts. And if you've not done this before, you can easily access the WordPress repository from your dashboard of any WordPress site by going over to Plugins. You go to Plugins area, you can use the button at the top called Add New to explore. And you can also access, uh, sorry, access this if you just go to WordPress.org and you go under Plugins. And you can explore by just typing in keywords or looking most popular, newest plugins. I want to point something out real quick, and this isn't so much a pitch, but the beauty of this WordPress repository is, look at how many plugins there are. There's 21,997 plugins. So one of the business opportunities that we've really had a good time with lately, and I believe that's where LabZip is going, is this would be like an ordinary person walking into Home Depot with no help at all and trying to find a quarter-inch metric reverse ratchet wrench or something like that. I mean, it's just a, an esoteric thing. To go through 21 or 22,000 plugins and find the exact one you need is nearly impossible. So what we've been working on is the idea with this LabZip of uh, going to an idea where we can just curate out exactly the plugin for the job, just like we're doing today. And you can then find one choice or two choices that we can back and support, and they will all work together. So let's start with this again. Limit login attempts. I'm going to go to Add New from my dashboard. I'm going to type in Limit Login Attempts, just like you see there. This plugin has one purpose and one purpose only. It basically is like the bouncer at a nightclub who says, you know what, you were here five minutes ago, weren't you? I told you to beat it. Now, if you've legitimately logged in and you have no troubles, this plugin will let you in. There's no restrictions or it doesn't do membership. But what it does is just make sure that if somebody has not gotten in because they typed the wrong username or password, that they only have a certain number of tries. Now, I'm going to install this. And if you never installed it, just say OK, and you say X. The settings on this are really simple. In fact, we cover them in a couple of our new videos for Quick Launch. But you're going to go on, uh, down here on the left under Settings. You go for Limit Login Attempts. There's very little to set up here. Basically, it tells you if you've had any logouts or lockouts. And it says, how many times is somebody allowed to retry? In this case, it's set to four. I'm going to recommend to you, if you have a membership site, make it two. If you don't have a membership, make it one. In other words, if you've got no reason that people should be logging into your site because it's a blog or it's some other site that's for commenting only, put the bar very, very low. You can then say, how long will somebody be locked out for after their first retry? And how many times uh, can they be locked out before you say, uh-uh, don't come back here for a whole other day or whatever? So this, for example, is if you get locked out four times, uh, each of them 20 minutes. After that, it says, no, don't come back for another day. And then uh, there's a time thing you can set or not set if you want that says, um, how many hours after the retry until it resets it and removes the lockout uh, from this 
Now, there's a couple other things here which you don't need to worry about if you're on a proxy at work or something, you can worry about this. Most people are on a direct internet connection. I want to set one last thing here, which is I want to be notified whenever somebody is locked out. And not often have it every time or I can set it to two. But the idea is this just then sends me a very simple email and says, hey, somebody at this IP address has been banging on the door of your nightclub and they're not getting in, which means usually something's wrong. But the real clue is it tells me also, and it'll tell you, what their username is that they're trying. So the number one piece of advice besides using this plugin is never, ever, ever have an administrator username with the word admin, A-D-M-I-N. I know that's counterintuitive because WordPress comes by default with that set up, but that's the whole reason. With 56 million sites on the Internet using WordPress, these guys and girls who write these spam bot programs put that in is look for any WordPress sites and the first thing to try is the username admin. And if there's a person that didn't know any better who used that, now they're 50% of the way towards getting into your site. Make sense? And there was a publication I read last week that said, what are the most popular passwords in the world? And ironically, there was a list of about 20 numeric passwords that were used by a large percentage of people. I think it was more than 20% of the people. So if they're halfway in on the username, and then they can start brute forcing in the, log, uh, the login password, more reason to use this to slow them down. Okay. Next one is anti-spam B. And anti-spam B works kind of in the same way. So we're going to go back over here to plugins. This will limit logins. Anti-spam B is the sort of the open source version, ironically, to Akismet. Akismet was the number one um, way to protect your blog from spam on comments and otherwise. But what happened was Automatic, the company that's the commercial end of WordPress, they made this a part of Jetpack and they made it that you have to go through this whole sign-up process and get a key. And although it's outstanding, I recommend you just use Anti-Spambee because Anti-Spambee just simply works. So here's the setting I recommend. You can leave everything alone. Literally just turn it on use it. But if you don't want to be bothered with cleaning, cleaning out your spam filter, and I'll show you where that is in a second, then go and open up the settings of anti-spambi and go under the advanced tab. See this button here that says Marcus Spam, do not delete. Okay? So if I have that on, it means that it'll mark it as spam and it'll collect spam. And then my dashboard will start to show how many spams are for my consideration. I don't want to bother with that. So I just make sure it's off. And then I save the changes. Now what happens is that means that if anybody does create spam that anti-spambies engines and database think is something not you know, legitimate, it just deletes it. Sure, I'll miss something. But if you really look for low maintenance, this is the trick. Anti-spamby, turn off the ability for it to have you review it, and just let it do its job. Now, if you go to Dashboard under Updates, that's where you'll typically be able to see, oops, I'm sorry, under Home, this is where you'll typically be able to see if there's any spam. And you can see the data here. This is a site that's a test site. But it'll say how many people tried, etc. And you also have the original uh, dashboard widgets from uh, right here. Sorry. WordPress it says there's one spam. If you've never used the spam from WordPress, you just click on that. You can see what the comments are. And this list of the emails is always on there. You can always just click the button, empty spam. Are you guys with me so far? If anybody needs me to stop or if you have questions, just type it in. Because now I'm going to do the last one, which is caching. 
Hashing is spelled C A H and it's cache version. The idea is imagine you had a situation where you met somebody and you wanted to share with them your vacation. Imagine if you started talking to them and said, Oh, I went here and I went on the beach and I went to the hotel and I did this and then and you're halfway through the story and another person comes up. Now you go, Oh, well, I was just talking about my vacation. Let me start over again. I'm going to start talking to you while I finish my other story. And then a third person and a fourth. It'd be impossible, right? Caching does, it's like having a Polaroid camera or any other kind of printouts of your photos. When one person comes to your site, instead of just dynamically talking to them and so over or dynamically serving up the content of your site, it takes a snapshot of every page. Static. It makes it that those snapshots can be viewed instantly. Just like instead of telling a story, I just hand over Polaroid. And this tremendously speeds up your experience when you're visiting a site because now the site's database doesn't have to be accessed. Now the server doesn't have to handle everybody dynamically. It just says, oh, here's a picture, here's a picture, here's a picture. And the picture is a metaphor because it's really handing out HTML, which is you know code, but it's not having to process the database. It's not having to build the page from scratch. Now, there's three main cache plugins that are really popular. There's W3TC, which we have a long video on, and we're actually, we have the video on the site of the author. It's been downloaded 1.7 million times. W3TC. This is the big daddy of all caching. Um, we've got a great video here. I think it's like an hour. And Frederick's just wrote this amazing plugin. I'm sorry, 1.3 million. The problem with W3TC is it's like a person learning how to fly an airplane who starts out with a 747. Very, very complicated and has so many features that there's a lot of places to get lost. So for that reason, if you're starting out, and that's probably why you guys are here, I'm going to say there's two other choices. Second choice, I'm just going to type in cache. Second choice is quick cache. A quick cache is sort of the nice in the middle. I'm sorry, that's the last one. Supercache. Supercache is the one that's in the middle. This is written by Don Cha, who's a real large contributor to the WordPress community and has done a ton of stuff. You notice how many downloads there are. This has been around a little longer, too, but it's also really popular for people who want the power, but not necessarily all the overhead of the complexity. So this is one that you can maybe graduate to. I've tested this extensively. There are some issues with Supercache. The primarily one be, primary one being you have to set it up very, very specifically when you're using social networking features or when you're using a store. Even though it will work with WooCommerce, you have to really set up those options because otherwise it gets in the way of the dynamic process of checking out of the store, right? So remember, we're talking about Polaroids. Those Polaroids are great until the person says, hey, are you hungry? Let's go for lunch. I'm buying. Well, at that point, you actually have to walk hand in hand and move on with your life. Same here. The caching program has to be set up to know, is this person just reading things that are kind of old and static, or do they need to do something now that's new involving giving me money? It's important. All right? The one that we suggest everybody starts with and we usually install for any of our clients is called Quick Cache. What I love about Quick Cache is that it's just a plugin that handles the bare basics and it does a significant thing to improve speed of your site. Now this is written by the same company that writes the plugin called S2 Member Pro, which is a nice membership plugin. 
it's not been downloaded as much, and maybe it's a little low key, but you know, it's all five stars, really well supported, and the best thing of all, sets up so simple. So this is the one I'm going to show you how to set up. And you probably already find this on your sites if you're working with us. Uh, so let's go over here to our plugins and see if we've got it already. Did I have it? So all we're going to do is add new. Cash. <clears throat> Install now. Really got only two settings that you need to worry about. Actually one if you want to be lazy about it. First setting is we're going to go over. By the way, it's got its own tab called Quick Cache. So config options. First setting is basically to turn it on. Duh. Okay. So let's turn it on, and then we're going to save. Once you do that, there's another setting that you can set up. That is what's called deactivation safeguard. If you've ever worked with plugins before, you've had one that set everything up, and then you said, oh, I don't know if I want this plugin, and you disabled it and then deleted it, it usually will remove all of the settings from the database. Well, that would be a drag if you had gone to all the trouble of building up a big cache of, remember, Polaroids of your site, and for some reason you had to do maintenance or disable and remove this plugin. You can say to this setting here, you know what, when or if I need to remove this plugin, I want you to save all my stuff, because I may come back and reinstall you. Okay. Go ahead and change the deactivation safeguard to yes. Save it. And that's it. That's why I love this plugin the most. Now there's a lot of other stuff here I'm not going to cover today that allow you to modify this, including browser caching for your clients and the time that it saves it. But if you do this, one thing you'll see now is in the upper right corner a button called Clear Cache. This means that whenever you make a change to your site, the, the plugin is smart enough to know to clear the cache. And clearing the cache means, let's say I was working on the page of the site. Let's say I was working on a page of the site, and I don't know, I changed the style, or I, I added a blog post. Remember, we had taken a Polaroid picture of that before that we were handing out to everybody of this page. Well, once we change it, we don't want to be handing out the old Polaroid. We want to say, no, give them the new Polaroid. So the button clear cache is just like saying, take a new snapshot of this page and save it so that you can give it to people next time. Now, you can imagine if you're with me on this, that the next thing you have to think about is, hmm, if I'm working on my website and I've got this cache that's taking Polaroid snapshots every time I change something, I better be really thinking whether or not I should have this on while I'm making changes because it'd be a big a waste of time, right? In other words, if you're constantly changing this page and it's just having to resnap and resnap and resnap it, the best thing to do is just temporarily turn it off. Okay? So if you're working on your website, the takeaway is just temporarily turn off your cache, save that. Now you can work freely, make changes, do whatever you want, and then when you're done, you can come on back, turn it on, save the change, and then, just for good measure, clear the cache. Now, what does clearing the cache do for your visitors? What that does is it sends a signal to their browser. That browser now knows, you know what? I don't have a Polaroid for this page. Can I please have the latest Polaroid picture? Makes sense? Guys okay? All right, good. The small group, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn on the mics 
So if you guys care, you can. Well, do any of you guys have mics? Do you want me to turn on the mic, or does it matter? Just chat. Just tell me if you need the mics on. If not, just type in. All right. So I'm going to move on because the next thing I want to talk about here. Um, I want to talk about uh, the idea of photo manipulation, and not in the complicated sense, but in the sense of everybody working on their WordPress site needs something in the way of images. Now, the most basic would be just for blog posts, right? Now, if you've looked at any really well laid out blog post, um, and I'm going to go to one that I like, of course, I'm biased. I'm going to go to our just lab that one. There's a reason for that. Any well laid out website has a couple things in common. First of all, you need to decide, in my opinion, on a metaphor for how you want to display your content. And that is to say, in many cases, there's people that have portraits and landscape shots mixed up for their blog posts. And I'm using blog posts just as a quick example because there's other places where images are relevant. But one of the things that you'll notice here is that even though the height of these are different, they all have the exact same width. And more importantly is remember, these are responsive themes, which means that as I scale the browser, content is adjusting. You see that? I want you to notice something. Do you notice that the content of the image is also scaling? See that? That's really a big deal. In my opinion, I think design is at least half as much of the value of a website as content, because sort of like the metaphor they say success is half or better multiplier of a great idea, and the other half of the multiplier is implementation or execution. I think the design goes hand in hand with content. You can have great content, bad design, and it may be a work or vice versa, but together it's very powerful. Now the other part of this is that if you go over here in the inside, we're not going to work on this at the moment, but you'll notice that this responsive design element obviously carries over also if you have that to the video, because the video scales, whether it be YouTube or not. And all right, so let's talk about the image manipulation. There's two tools that are available to most of you because um, I think they're free or sample. The first one is if you're on a Mac, it's Keynote. I'm going to open this in a second. If you're on a PC, it's PowerPoint. The other thing is there's an online uh, tool that's available, or several of them, but the best one I like is called aviary.com, like the bird. What this is is an online capability to go ahead and manipulate images and other things. Now, there's other options, too. Um, if you wanted to do so, you can actually install a browser extension for Chrome or Firefox or Safari. And that allows you to manipulate images literally inside of the browser, similar to Aviary. And last but not least, and I bet you didn't know this, inside of your WordPress site is an image manipulation tool itself. So if I were to go to my media library, any of these images. Let's just pick this t-shirt guy, okay? When you click on edit, she didn't know this, but there's a button right there. This actually gives you some fairly decent tools. We've got the ability to crop, so I can just use this one left and drag my mouse over. Say I don't like his neck in there. Scale this to where I want it, and then I just click the crop button. Do rotating. So, 
right. And there's also a way to set the exact scale of the image or aspect ratio, etc. So getting back to my point earlier about what you should do is, regardless of whatever theme you have, is determine what the width is of your particular site's, um, we're talking here about the blog, content area. In this case, I have set all images to the site at 550 pixels wide. It just so happens that that's the exact width of this. Now there's one other little secret though. Even though you're going to create the original images all to be 550 pixels wide or whatever your width is, the uh, responsive nature of this is something that will work well if you don't put in that pixel amount. You just instead say, I have an image, happens to be, let's say in this case, 550 pixels wide, show it at a width equal to 100%. Okay. So let's do this live. I'm going to actually go in and drag this image down, young man. Let's make a new blog post. So I'm going to go to our sample site and say, add new post. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to use the set featured image. That's what we do for the front. Just drag that image over. So I've already indicated that I know this is 550 pixels wide because I, I preset that when I created the image. But here's the big deal. If I was to go ahead and say insert this into post, that's what happens. I look at the code on this. You see here that the code sets the width 100 pixels, and it sets the height. What I'm suggesting to you is, if you really want to make this perfect and responsive, remove the height, set the width to 100%. That's it. You don't need to be a coder. Go back and watch this video later, but just set the width to 100%. We're talking about how Keynote, or I was about to tell you how Keynote or PowerPoint could be a great image manipulation tool. Because remember, we are just saying how, well, make all of your images the right size before you upload them to your site. Okay. So if I go ahead and start Keynote or PowerPoint, it doesn't matter. I always shoot, just choose a blank canvas, meaning by that it's just a white space. Now, there's lots of other fancy stuff you can do here. I have literally 10 hours of tutorial training in one of our courses on this. But if you want to use this as an image tool, watch how many cool things I can do in just a couple. First of all, I can just drag that image from anywhere. Now let's talk about some basic effects. Keynote is great for manipulating images. So here's a couple basic ones. Remember we just talked about, I want to make all my images the right width. Okay, here's an image. I go over here to my tool, and this says it on PowerPoint, the scale tool or the ruler tool. I can set the width to whatever I want instantly, right? And I can constrain the proportion. That means to say, I can say, keep the height and the width relatively the same to each other. So maybe I need to make this smaller. Maybe my blog's 400 pixels column width. Hit enter. This is old school stuff. I can also use the drag handles to do this, right? Because the button is here on constrained images, never going to change. Now, what if I didn't like this? What if I wanted to actually crop out some of the area? No problem. I just undo constrain, and now I can use the grab handles, right? Now, if I do this, it's going to squish the image. It might have some effect. I mean, there's certain ways that you can use this to give the perspective. In my case, I don't think that looks so good because the face looks a little weird too. So I can go ahead and put it back. 
Now, if you want to crop this, that's easy too. There's a tool called Mask. It's up in the top here. I click on Mask, and now I can specifically select which things that I want. And there's a little handle here that lets me zoom in and out. So maybe I need to fill that a little better and move it down. Simple, right? Okay, what if I want a nice little effect? Well, I click this box, and it's called the Inspector. I can add some cool effects. What if I want an outline around this image? Well, I can choose from a regular line, and I can make it really thick. I can choose a color, of course, like red. Maybe I want something fancier. What about a picture frame? That's a cool effect. Let's pick the type of picture frame. Maybe I want to do taped up on a bulletin board, or maybe I want to do curvy effect. That makes it look like it's sitting on the page. Now this is really neat because now that I've got this, I can just copy this and I can use else and it'll have the effect go with it. Now how do I copy it? Well, there's a couple ways you can do this. The easiest way is to use an on-screen capture. In Macworld, there's Sketch. In the PC world, oh my goodness, there's a dozen of them. So in this case, I'll give you some notes in the uh, where I put this video up, but if you guys think of one, Camtasia makes one, there's another one. Oh man, it's so many years since I'm off PC. So I use Sketch, but whatever the case may be, you just want to do the screen capture. Because watch what I do. I just select this image, copy it using Control C, and I paste it into Sketch. Now I can save it in whatever format I want. Now for the internet, typically we use JPEG unless the size is small or we need transparency. So this is only 31K, and I say Spence Polaroid. Now I can save that. I can upload that to my blog, right? I can preview it. You see it's got the frame with it. But what's neat is I can also reuse this because now it's like building sandcastle. Once you've built one sandcastle, you can reuse it. So what if I drag that Polaroid in now? Well, now I can manipulate this Polaroid just like a full object. So that means what? Well, here's a couple things. I can rotate it, scale it, and my point is that you see now all the other effects are kind of built in with it. Whereas over here, if I rotate it, it works the same. But here's an example where that would work. Layering, right? In some cases, you're trying to build something and you have the ability to layer it by simply doing the effect, copying it, and then pasting the image back in. Now, there's a few other things I could show you, but let's just do a basic one with text. I love, love, love using Keynote or PowerPoint for text. This is some text. Why? Because these can have the same beautiful graphic effects that would add something to your images. So let's try here. We can select from any variety of free source fonts. It's kind of my handwriting one. And then you can change the color, of course. Text, color. And I can drag this on top. I can also rotate it in the same way, right? So if I could position tool, match it, and you get this really nice effect because again, now I go back, copy it, paste it, and I've got a graphic that when I put this on my website is not going to be the plain Jane vertical, horizontal. It's going to have some real character, right? And look how easy that was. You didn't have to open a Photoshop or learn Adobe Illustrator, anything complicated.
Even if you have your content on Wistia or another private server, you should definitely take advantage of the fact that YouTube is a marketing opportunity. People will find things in YouTube that they don't necessarily find on your site. And some of our videos, like I showed you with W3TC, can be picked up by other people. So I'll give you an example. In our case with this videos, that W3TC some tremendous views. I think we got like 70,000 views. There are 76,000 views, which to us is a big deal. You know, normally we have a couple hundred customers at a time, so 50 to 200 views is a normal thing for a new video. 76,000 is pretty cool. And this is an example. This really wouldn't have happened, but for YouTube, because it's here, and the site owner at the W3TC was able to just grab it and use it. And there's a lot of good comments and stuff. But the thing that I want to show you is when you've got a new video, uh, and let's go over to so I don't make a mess. I go to my new P2 video. YouTube has, I'm going to give you three tips here. YouTube has something that occurs. See this area here above the show more. There's about a line and a half of content that you can see. Um, if you are going to put some description in, which you should, and I'll show you why, put it in the first two lines. So I think this point is obvious, but just to say it again, when you use your YouTube description, put the description in the first two lines of the most important stuff. And even though I didn't do it here per se, you could always put a link to your site there, right? So in other words, I have a lot of other stuff in here, but if you were going to put anything else in there, put your URL, your website, and a description. Now here's the other reason that's important. If I was to take this and search for it in Google, what should happen? That description shows up here. You see that? So that like one and a half, two lines are the first thing that show up in Google. So by going ahead and making sure you've got the most important stuff at the top, you're going to make sure, word for word, you're going to make sure that when somebody's browsing in Google, that they see the most important thing. And oh, hey, there could even be a link to your site, right? 